Okay, we've been given the go sign. So thanks for coming to the Applied Analytics panel. My name is Mike King. I'm a course author and instructor at Berkeley College of Music's online school, Berkeley Online. And I'm here today with a panel of um, a small but powerful panel of uh, folks that are absolute experts, really sharp people here. We're going to have a very uh, tactical uh, discussion about analytics, talk about tools, strategies, things that these folks have seen which works, uh, things that don't work. So to start off, um, maybe we can do an introduction. Lars, do you want to start? We'll work this way. Yeah, my name is Lars Murray. I'm the SVP of music industry at Pandora Media. I've been there about three months. Uh, Before that, I spent uh, most recently about eight years at Columbia Records uh, and before that, Virgin Records. And uh, I started out in the music industry a long, long time ago in the glacial pre-digital era, well, maybe not pre-digital, but, but the CD era at a place called Ryko Disc, uh, where I encountered uh, a certain young intern and then employee called Mike King. Yes. Um, so uh, yeah. at Pandora, what we're doing right now, just, just in a nutshell, is, is building a much more robust sort of music industry-facing group, and uh, we've launched some interesting stuff that we'll get into later. My name is Matt Ermey, and um, I'm with a company called uh, Artist Growth, which is essentially a, a cloud-based management uh, and logistics platform for artists and their teams. Uh, so for artists who work alone and then artists who have agents and managers and, and people at record companies that help them too. Um, my background, I spent the better part of a decade in various uh, manifestations as a touring or performing artist. Uh, at the beginning, I wasn't performing that much. By the end of it, I was probably doing 150, upwards of 200 shows a year, um, all self-booked, all self-everything. And I came off the road when my son was born uh, so I could be home, and I took a job as a data analyst at a cancer research company in Nashville where I got my first exposure to software engineers and statisticians, and I started learning about data and started learning about technology, which is what kind of informed and inspired my desire to, to, to build artist growth and see it become a, a, management, a data management system for artists and their teams. So that's what we do, and I'm very happy and honored, and, and I feel thrilled to be on this panel uh, with, with everyone here. They're super smart and awesome. So thank, thank you guys for coming, too. Um, artists in the room, managers, I'd love to know who I'm talking to. Um, Artists, we have artists, we have people in the industry. Cool, we'll get into that later. I just kind of wanted to know who, who, who I'm talking to. So happy to be here. Thank you. My name is Kieran Gandhi. I grew up in New York City and uh, studied mathematics at Georgetown University in D.C. I have been drumming since I was 11 and sort of would always spend my time at night in D.C. out playing uh, in the clubs and trying to meet as many musicians there. I would say that was probably my happiest um, parts of college is being a drummer out in the out in the city. I started sitting in with Thievery Corporation a lot. Their band had a regular uh, residency every Wednesday and so they sort of nurtured me as a musician and helped me understand my own drumming uh, less as like an extracurricular activity and more as... Um, you know, it's, it's actually maybe some of the musicians in the room understand. You move from that moment where you're like, oh, I play the drums to I'm a drummer. And uh, when I graduated, I, I didn't know I would work in music, but I, I really wanted to. So I had this math degree, and the best opportunity I had in, the, in music was an internship um, at Interscope Records in L.A. It's part of Universal Music Group. So I went out there, um, and I was interning, and the head of digital marketing found out that I was a math major, and I didn't know if that would be a disaster or a good thing. Um, 
but it was good. She said that they're starting to get all this data from places like Sp- uh, Spotify, YouTube, um, Twitter, and they come in as these Excel sh- spreadsheets, so they come in as um, really cool tools like Next Big Sound, but there's not an infrastructure at Interscope to actually handle this data and to know what it means. So that was my job out of college. I became Interscope's first um, digital analyst, and I was doing that for two years, um, answering a lot of different experimental questions about marketing for artists and how we can use these tools. Um, and I'm really I'm going to be excited to t- share with you some of the uh, the research we did. After that, I I went on to, I was a drummer, right? And I went on tour with MIA for about six months. Um, it was super cool. She had played with a drummer only one other time, and I got to be her drummer this time. She did uh, her most recent album had a lot of Indian influence, so uh, I think that's why I got pulled into the project. And it was really, it was really amazing. It was so cool to just travel and play music. Um, and currently, I'm getting my MBA. I'm over in Boston um, at Harvard Business School. I'm in my second year now. I'm really trying to have a higher level education about business so that I can come back into the music industry and apply theories and ideas that have worked in other industries uh, to ours and to this industry that we care so much about. So that's my story. Nice. Um, you mentioned something um, that I think is a, a good jumping off point. Um, when you went to work at Interscope, um, they didn't have an infrastructure in place, and there's a lot of different data points. Um, and in preparing for uh, this discussion um, yesterday, um, something came through uh, Twitter by this guy named Dave Trott, um, who's a really um, great kind of marketing uh, writer. He said this, um, the obsession with big data is that it will change everything. No, it won't. But the people who use big data and can interpret the data may well change everything. Um, so there's a lot of conversation about big data, um, but really that's not the thing. It's, it's in the interpretation of data. So um, we are all swimming in data. There's tons of different data points out there. Where should people start? Hmm. Yeah, I can talk about how I started when I was there at, at the label. So Interscope, the way they categorize their um, their catalog is in three threefold. It's very simple. It's just the pop roster, the the hip hop roster, um, and now more so sort of the EDM roster. And um, I got there, and we first started by bucketing all the artists, and then we grouped them by emerging and uh, established. Which obviously all these are sort of um, reductive categories, as any musician would know. But that's how we approached it. So we had sort of six uh, grids, right? You can either be emerging or established, and then you'd be one of those three genres. And then what we did was we picked the most important um, you know, metrics that we wanted to look at. So I'll give you a couple of them. Spotify streams, YouTube views, and then in the YouTube uh, bracket, YouTube comments, uh, likes, and then favorites. Uh, and what we did was start looking at uh, over a month, how many YouTube views from release to that month did a video get? Okay, And we would just start graphing them and charting them so that I could develop a bit of a, a sense of barometers. How uh, do we understand what it means to be successful on YouTube if we put out a Lady Gaga video? Should she have one million views in the first day, in the first week, in the first month? How do we even understand that? And the way we did it was look at pools. So we would compare uh, Gaga to uh, Beyonce to maybe Madonna. You know, we might compare Kendrick Lamar to Yellow Wolf. Uh, we would compare um, Eminem to 50 Cent. These are the kinds of sort of basic, basic ways uh, we would start to organize the data. About seven months into my job, then we actually had this really comprehensive idea of what was the bottom 30%, the middle 30%, and let's say the top 30, or sorry, you know, 33 and a third percent. The bottom third, middle third, and top third. And what would I do then is then when we'd send out um, 
updates to the company, these weekly digital marketing updates about how the stats were performing, I could actually index them. I could say Gaga had 7 million YouTube views in the second week, which indexes honestly only in the middle. This video was in the yellow category. It wasn't in the top compared to a previous video she did, compared to a, a Beyonce video. Um, and that was deeply meaningful because they didn't have a sense beforehand, before we had taken the time to look at all those numbers, to understand what even means good. Um, you, you would be surprised to think that 7 million actually is, is not so good. So that's an example of uh, how we started. Um, I think one real sort of practical thing you can do uh, that's, that's important to do is look at all the tools you're using, whether it's like Google-based tools or, or private company-based software tools or whatever you're using to control your information, whether it's a calendar or, or what you're using, uh, an Excel, you know, Excel to track your merchandising sales or, or another platform to do that, is, is to start taking that information and that, that data and layering it on top of each other in, a, in as much of a geographical way as you can. So even if you're in a really nascent stage and you're, you're early in your career, um, and this is also important for people who are who are really big acts and, and are touring a lot and playing big venues is understanding in a geographical way what's happening in their world in those markets where they're they're going or where they want to go and not just how many downloads did I get in that market but um, how many t-shirts did we sell last time we were there compared to the downloads compared to other markets and really try to layer your data and look at it and get it as contextual as possible to questions you're trying to answer because that's really what's going to point you towards an action and I think it's probably pretty safe to say you'll try lots of different tools and you'll hop around from platform to platform over the course of your career so another really sort of practical thing is with all this data out there anyone you work with find out immediately if you own the data or if they do and if you leave and go to a different platform if you can take all of that historical data with you that you have been using inside of a system because you don't want to lose four years of touring portfolio because you decided to go use a different kind of calendar um, or because you got you you got a manager and they're moving you in a different way and now you just lost the last five years of your of your information that you could use to understand what you should do next so those are just some practical things that I would suggest yeah and, and actually I think we're going from from high end to middle end to low and really to me it's just about laying track it's about getting deciding what metrics you think are going to be rele- relevant or and, and getting as many data points as you can on a continuing basis to be really simple, especially when you're starting out, because you don't necessarily know what you want to be measuring. So you have to make some choices because you can't, there's always too much data for you to, 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 uh, to really, there's always going to be too much data for you to, to, to really digest, you know, and I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. You can't spend all of your time doing this. And, um, I think it's really, I think it's really fascinating and really admirable what you did at, at Interscope, but, People don't have the resources to do that, and that's that's something that I think we can get into that a little bit more. But I think laying track and making making those choices as to what you actually, as an artist, need to decide what what media you're really going to try and work because you can't work them all. It's sort of an infinite social universe, and if you don't make those choices, you'll just be spraying stuff out and not achieving achieving any concentration of anything. So, and another thing too is is like you can take YouTube as an example. Or, or like a tool to sell your merch. Like if you're not going to tour, if you're if you're playing music that you're predominantly going to be marketing online and 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 just trying to get people to stream and download, but you don't plan on getting on the road and driving to different cities and performing, then there's certain kinds of data you can just ignore right from the start and don't waste your time trying to 
to get in there. But if you are going to go on the road and you're going to expend that kind of physical capital to go from town to town and meet people and perform for them, then there's a whole other set of information that's really important to you that you don't want to leave by the wayside. So I would, I would look at your goals and look at the kind of music you play and who your fans are and who you want your fans to be and let that sort of determine where you start from a data perspective because there's so much. Um, and so oftentimes it's good to start with just one tool or one or two and then build from there as you see things happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Can you guys ex- uh, maybe explore a little bit, like, what are the one or two tools that, that everybody should start with, you know? All right, you know, what, what you know, <clears throat> every musician is different, some tour, some don't, but are there fundamental or foundational tools that, that artists should be looking at? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> uh, two words, Pandora Amp. Um, this, is, um, this is the, uh, the commercial part of the thing um so we launched we, we launched a uh uh what's what we're calling our artist marketing platform a couple of weeks ago and it's the first time ever that um artists have been able to see anybody's really been able to see what's going on with somebody in pandora and you know we we're getting the word out about scale and our scale is huge our scale is is much larger than spotify our scale is uh, comparable to something like youtube and something like that and we um We've just made. I'm just trying to get the word out that that it's there. We, if your if your music is on Pandora, you can get this this uh, this data for yourself. Uh, there's 125,000 artists who are on Pandora, and each one of them has access to their own spins, geographic, demographic. Um, um, the station starts on Pandora. If you understand how Pandora works, I can get into that a little bit later, but. Um, that's one essential one, and I would say, uh, you know, the, uh, the the competition, if you're touring or if you're not, you know, YouTube is probably, you know, the biggest competitor that's that's really relevant, and then it goes down from there. Anyway. Um, Don't want to hog the mic. I, I think services like Pandora, um, I think Pandora opening up that information to the artists and, and looking at the artist as a customer they have to serve is incredible, and it's where all of those services should be trying to go it's it's just, and i logged into my amp account even though it's really sad because i haven't performed in almost five years now but it's really awesome and if i was working it would be a bookmark in my toolbar so something like that is awesome youtube has great analytics um, any of the social sites have good analytics but where, where i live and where, where i see people you know struggling with is not just the information and data around the consumer engagement of their product and their and their music, but the other sort of logistical business metrics that you have to live with that are that are going to over time accumulate and start to build a case for why you are an investable um, artist, why you are why you are somebody that is uh, somebody else should come along and invest energy in or invest money in or and their and their time and their heart, and so all of these things are really important. And many years I spent on the road you know, scribbling merch sales on legal pads that two weeks later before the tour was over would get lost or somebody would spill beer on and I would lose all this information and go home and be like, well, we, we have some money and or we broke even or we lost money, but I didn't know. I couldn't tell somebody uh, what I did in a certain quarter or what I did in a certain market over a year. And it was I had a couple embarrassing meetings with potential managers who said, well, how many records did you sell last year? And I said, I don't know. How much merch did you sell in Nashville, your hometown? I don't know somewhere around like three pressings you know i I don't and and i realized that this data is so important to attracting people who will invest in you whether that's a fan or whether that's in a manager or an agent or a record company 
And all those things depend on what kind of career you want to have to who you want to attract. But the consumer engagement, the fan engagement, whatever you want to call it, that's super important. And services like Pandora Amp are going to take you there and give you what you need in YouTube. But don't ignore how many shows did you play in the last six months? How many records and CDs or koozies did you give away or sell? All that matters. And over time, it accumulates and you have a portfolio that you can show to people and say, look what I've been doing. This is what, this is what I've done, and here's where I want to take it. And that's, that's important. It's like life logging, for, uh, yeah. life logging for your band. Yeah. And that just happens to be what we help you do at Artist Growth. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk about Artist Growth or do you want to save it? Uh, we can save it. Or, save yeah, it. sure. Um, so, yeah, there would be two things that I'd add. Lars, you're totally right that it, what the work that I was doing at Interscope was took forever. Like, I would be there so late trying to log all this data for all these different artists. But that's a catalog of, like, you know, 60, 70 artists at any given sort of month that we're prioritizing. If I were starting a band tomorrow, you know, and I had a basic sense of the genre that I'm, that I'm pursuing, I, I, one tool that I'm a huge fan of is Next Big Sound. Raise your hand if you've heard of Next Big Sound. Cool, about, about half the room. Next Big Sound is, a, is an analytics tool, and it shows you, if you buy a subscription, it shows you how many Facebook likes, Twitter uh, followers, um, Spotify streams, iTunes uh, purchases, YouTube views an artist is getting. And you can type in most artists that are uh, even a little bit known, that have their, their social up there. And if I knew I was going to start, let's say, some, uh, a hip-hop group, and I had like three or four ideas in my head of artists that I'm similar to, what I would do is go on to Next Big Sound, and I'd pick four artists. Four artists, that's not so, I mean, we all got free time. Just don't go out that night. You know, got, open your laptop, you know, do some work. So you open your laptop, and you t- pick four artists, Yellow Wolf, Kendrick Lamar, and maybe two artists who don't have label support, you know, because I won't have label support. And, uh, and then I'd look. I would say, how many Twitter followers did they have within two months of starting? How many Facebook likes did they have within six months of starting? How many iTunes sales did they have? How many Instagram followers uh, were they reaching out to? So that I have a bit of like a, a cheat sheet of, of goals, of barometers for myself. Like, well, for me to really do this, it needs to look like that. You know, and it may look different, but it's a place to start. And then from there, the other thing that I can do once I start putting out um, my, my work and I have access to platforms like this that tell me my demographic, where people are, who's listening. And now I'm talking about a year after putting my work up on SoundCloud, on places that I have access to the data of who the demographics are and who's listening and where they are. Then you get to this point that, uh, that you were talking about, about leverage. Because I can go then to a promoter in, uh, in Nashville where you're based and say, hey, look, this is the demographic of people who listen to my work. These are the numbers that we have following. I don't think you guys should skimp out on paying us well. And uh, this is why we should have a show here, because we really have something to offer. Another place of leverage that I see on the label level, which is obviously a little bit harder to do as an independent artist, but I do think it's worth mentioning, is from the advertising side. I sat next to the brand partnership department at Interscope, and you see all the time they would come to me and be like, Kieran, can you put together a stat sheet? Because we want to convince, you know... uh, uh, Maybelline that Carly Rae Jepsen is the right person to be the face of their brand. Now, a lot of companies, if you look, they're trying to be cool. They don't want Carly Rae Jepsen, an obvious artist. I'd like to think they do want a hip, new, young artist who hasn't been swooped up by the labels yet. So how cool to be able to say, 
we are really popping off in Boston. That's where I'm living right now. We're really doing big things. And Maybelline, look, we have uh, the right demographic, women who are 18 to 30, let's say, whatever it is. We have this many people of that demographic listening to us. We have some leverage here. Maybe we can do something with you. Um, these are the kinds of two ways that I see strategically, and to your point of like very tangible examples, that I think could uh, where, is where you can use data to really do something as an independent artist. I, I love the idea of leverage that both of you guys are mentioning. Um, and in teaching um, folks, uh, the number one thing that people are interested in is awareness, you know? So it's so hard to, um, so much noise out there. How do you make people aware of you and how do you make the right people aware of you in particular? So um, you guys each gave really good examples of tools that you would use. What's the next step for using those tools to help generate Awareness, Like I, I mentioned, you know, the leverage that you're talking about is great if you want to go to an advertiser and say, hey, I've got this, or go to a club, hey, I've got this. Um, but what, what's the next step, as you guys see it, to make people aware of you based on that information? The next step, based on the information, I mean, to me, I, the, I think the other thing that we haven't really covered is just having a plan. I mean, mm-hmm. you really need to have, the, if, you, if you want useful data, you really have to be, you know, addressing a particular data point, you know, when you decide that you're going to do a tour or when you decide that you're going to put out a video, it's like, what are the meaningful metrics that you're going to do? And you have to be, take some honesty with yourself actually. And, 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 and focus on, you know, making, because there are so many ways that you can measure this stuff, you know, having a real marketing plan that you're measuring against and having it be very focused is, is, is really important. I mean, so when I was at Columbia, we were just about every marketing plan that we had had a key metric, um, and sometimes it was Twitter based, sometimes it was Facebook based, sometimes it was uh, YouTube or Vivo based, or sometimes it was Spotify based. But we were really usually focusing on maybe three metrics, and usually one or two above the others. Um, so that's that's really key. You have to sort of you know choose your battles and and win them, and also you know have to be very honest with yourself if you're not winning that battle and then change up your your strategy. Yeah, I think one of the big buzzwords that I hear all the time is, you know, we all these analytics platforms or, or software systems exist now that store data or visualize data and, and do all these really cool things. And as people say, well, how do we make it actionable? How do we create actionable data? And, and, um, and that's a great idea. I, I think that's an important question. I think one of the things that creates the opportunity for data to point toward an action that you can do and execute is is context, and and finding a way to create context for your question in uh, in the data. So what what you would do, and what I mean by that is, is through correlation. So you're able to take different data points that are all related to say a market or or an objective you're trying to do, and look at a problem not just on how many t-shirts that I sell there, but how many people are listening to me? How many emails do I have from that market? Um, you know, when you're collecting emails, ask people to put their zip code there too. So that's one more geographical data point you can layer on top of other pieces of data that create a, a perception of where the people who love your music are or, or would support your career. Because one of the most important things, I really believe this, one of the most important things data can do for you as an artist or a manager or someone who's working on behalf of an artist is it can help you perceive this, the world, perceive space. And what that does is it helps you understand if you haven't already had the enlightenment that you, you're not just an artist, you're, you're an entrepreneur who's engaging 
on an enterprise, on a voyage, to go have a career, to go have a life, an enriched life where you can share what you, your passions and share what you love with people, you, you have to have a plan to do that. And you, so you're an entrepreneur now, and data can give you a perception and a view of the world that will help you understand what I should do today, what I should have done yesterday, so now I'm going to do it today, and then tomorrow here's probably what I need to do. And as many different data points as you can stack on top of each other and then put on a map or some kind of grid, that will push you towards saying, like, this is what we should do next. And then maybe next week we'll do, we'll do this, and then we'll measure it and see how it goes, and then you start adjusting things. So I think context is really important in terms of creating a plan. And the way you create context is you create multiple points points of view and it all centers in on on one decisive point of action can, can i ask you a question about that so um it's very time consuming right and you can get into a black hole when you're looking at all of these different data points so what are some techniques to avoid that you know to spend your time focusing on the right data i know having a plan is there but you know you're talking about the different layers of data how do you even organize that stuff how, how can somebody do it well i think that's why I, in my mind, I would say it shouldn't be a black hole because of companies like Pandora and, and Artist Growth and other tech companies that are here. If we're doing our job, then you don't have to spend time. We should be making it to where it's very digestible for you and it's very easy for you to come in and, and you know, select what you want to see and have it, have it visualized for you in a way that's meaningful. Um, I think part of the challenge up till now is people who have gotten, like myself, you know, went from being a touring artist, indie artist who had a very limited scope of knowledge about the industry to trying to build a platform for labels, management companies, and indie artists and had to learn a ton about what was really out there and how the system worked and where the data was and why aren't you sharing this with that person? It would help you both. And it's taken a while, I think, for a lot of tech entrepreneurs to wrap their head around the problem and see it from lots of different angles and look at what other people are doing. And I think we're getting to a point now where people are starting to really get their head wrapped around that data, data problem. And so I, I see, I think we're at a very exciting moment where I think in the next couple of years, new kinds of data visualizations and, and data portability will exist through API networks that will allow you to log into a dashboard or several dashboards and be able to paint those pictures and get the visualizations that are meaningful and contextualized and not just a line graph doing this. Mm-hmm but something that's three-dimensional and something that's geographical and helps you understand what, what it is that you're lacking or, or what it, where your strengths are. And that's our job, and we've taken it upon ourselves to try to build these things for you, and we work really hard. But just like you guys are learning about how to tour and how to do all these things, we're learning about you know, all, all the different data we can get from these different places. How can we create a valuable picture from it? And, and I think we're getting there, and I think it's exciting. And seeing you know, huge companies like Pandora release products like AMP is super exciting. And then hearing entrepreneurs pitch their ideas about things they want to do is equally exciting because it seems like everybody's starting to get it. And people who traditionally have said, my data, you can't have it, and that person over there saying, my data, you can't have it, are starting to say, okay, well, if you give me that, I'll give you this, and it makes both of us smarter, and it makes the world flow better. And the more we can move in that direction, the healthier the industry will be, I think, and the more young artists will have opportunities to build platforms and build a base in multiple markets and, and again, become investable and get that upward momentum in their career. And so that's what, so I think the onus is on us, but we need feedback from all of you guys about how well we're doing our jobs in creating those pictures so it doesn't become a black hole. I really agree with you about the point that I think this, that artists always do want a business component. I think, you know, the industry has been largely 
dependent on information asymmetry, which is why the labels were able to make so much money. You hear so many horror stories about artists who felt that they were uh, really hurt by the label system. And I think that's sort of breaking apart. But I, I really like what you're talking about, about rebuilding back the business side in a way that really allows good art to be spread. And to your question about time and time management from the artist, I, I do agree with you. I think it's very difficult to be doing both the business stuff and the art stuff, especially if you don't want to be, because then your heart's not in it. It's not that, it's not that good. Um, if we split those up and you're taking care of all the business side stuff with artist growth, I would say my recommendation to artists is, is really just I continue to make beautiful content because when I open up my, my Instagram and I see um, people even pre- premiering their album on that 15-second video option, like that's pretty new. That's really cool. Uh, Diplo's label does that all the time. Whenever Dylan Francis puts out something, he like has a really interesting, strange 15-second video and then has the song, like a clip of the song playing. And I'm, I'm interested. He has my attention. And he puts always the link to the SoundCloud to get it for free. And it's very, it's, it's very seamless. Um, and I think that's brilliant. I think there's so many unique ways like that to use media that we are given to be able to engage uh, your audience. FKA Twigs is another uh, artist right now that I'm such a fan of. And the reason why I like what she does is that not only does she put her artful content, but she also puts when she's practicing. So then as you know, myself as a drummer, I get super inspired. I'm like, yeah, I got to go back to the studio. I love that. I think also about how many people criticize uh, Spotify, for example. You see a lot of the larger artists uh, putting out articles, rejecting it, encouraging users to leave it. Um, While I appreciate that the economics of of Spotify are not favorable compared to how it used to be, I do believe that for new artists, if they are able to get onto Spotify via TuneCore, I think they should be power users. I think they should be making, on the artist side, I think artists should be making playlists. I think artists should be using their Instagram and their Facebook to direct people to Spotify, to encourage people to listen actively, because they do get paid out whether the user who was playing the stream was a free user or uh, a paid user. I think encouraging volume uh, to places like uh, Spotify and to iTunes or whatever the next sort of music distribution and Pandora, platform sorry. and Pandora <laughs> is. Uh, this is what I do every day when somebody says Spotify right. or YouTube. I say and Pandora. It's true. It makes sense, but I suppose I chose those two because of the the search component. No, 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 that's fine. It's fine. I didn't mean to interrupt. That would, I, no, I. It's great. A real, a real. We, we talked before this about you know trying to paint really uh tactical pictures or or really like down like down to earth examples of what all this means and one example that really rings out to me about applying data and analytics to your life is um this summer we had a an indie artist who started using our system artist growth from the very very beginning the very earliest most nascent stages of our growth of our product growth all their shows religiously in there, all their merch counts, all their merch sales. Um, they would put in their ticketing information. They would do all these things, almost like type A type kind of artist who was just really in there and doing it. Um, and then they download. And what they did is they started getting screen grabs and doing printouts of their reports from Artist Growth. So they had like two years worth of touring itineraries. And then they had two years covered of revenues and expenses and how they had put it all into the system and then they downloaded their iTunes sales and other places and they went in and they met with a booking agent and they said look here's my three-year portfolio this is what I've done this is my work history and here's my five-year business plan granted it wasn't very sophisticated but it said 
here's the markets I want to hit, here's how many shows a year I want to do based on this, and I think I can make this much money. And the agency group signed this artist because of that, not just because of the artist growth data, but he, that's an example of, of a brilliant young entrepreneurial songwriter who's applying all of these numbers and data points to get something done. Mm-hmm. And then he took the same thing and he went and met with a Warner subsidiary based in Atlanta, and they signed him because they liked his business plan. And they said, actually, you're wrong here, here, and here, but we can help and we can, we can do it better. So what you're doing is really fucking awesome. Let us help you. And now he's got this team, right? And he's opening for big acts. And he's, instead of doing 150 dates a year, he's probably going to do 250 dates this year. You know, and to me, that is a crystallization of what you can do if you apply the numbers and the data in a really pointed and meaningful way. But it takes work and it takes investment. And it takes telling people like us, this is what I need from you build this for me or, or help me get this done. And, and then we do our best to respond to you. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, the, the data should start the conversation. It should be, it can be the end of the conversation, but it should also start the conversation. And that's that just having paying attention is just, that's part of it too, because uh, you know, everybody in the ecosystem, most of the people in the ecosystem are artists first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can't spend all of your time on this, but, um, but it really, what, what, what everybody, what we're trying to do and, and what I think everybody on the panel is trying to do is to, is to identify those points of, of real relevance that, that really move things. And it's different, it's different from artist to artist. I mean, everybody else, ha- everybody has a different metric that, that may propel them over the top. Um, but I think what, what you need to do with your data is establish that it's, it's, it's a key metric. And one quick qualification um, about that story I just told her on data. The kid is also a badass songwriter and an amazing performer, and everybody that he's working with now loves his music. And mm-hmm. so this is a conversation about data, so we're kind of focusing on that, but the music's got to be great and people have to love it too. That's really the heart of the whole industry anyway, but once that's in place and you have something that you're really working with and you can inspire people, then the data becomes important because it becomes a, a chair for all of that talent to sit in and, and what all your cr- creations to sit in. So the, just a quick qualification. It wasn't just about the data. It's not a robotic industry. He inspired people to work with him. But, but the data also really helped move him over the line, I think. So Matt and Karen, you both um, uh, were kind of along the same lines where you mentioned some uh, things about monetization, right? So I'm wondering if we could dig into that a little bit further, um, using data to help guide monetization efforts. Um, an example um, could be something along the lines of uh, I sell a book uh, using Topspin, and uh, I can see how people have engaged with me, and I can reach out to them based on their level of engagement, you know, and maybe I can sell them something else or upsell. We do a similar thing at Berkeley, you know, we know where qualified traffic comes from, and we can speak to those people in particular. Um, can you guys um, give any examples or, or talk a little bit about using data points um, for monetization? One, one really simple thing that I, I think is powerful um, is have multiple email lists based on information and these data points. So if you know that somebody on your email list has also bought your last three albums and the last time you were in the market, you know, they bought a T-shirt because you saw you saw them in the queue of your credit card processing or what. So you can you know you have you know if you got a thousand people on an email list and fifteen of them 
uh, always buy your stuff, always come to your shows, and you, you know them by now because every time you go in that market, they come up and say hi to you and you talk to them. Those 15 people should get a special email from you when you're doing things because they're going to spend more money with you than maybe the other 600 who you have no idea who they are and you have no idea if they've ever touched anything of yours. Um, so the more you can understand about who these people are and what level of engagement and dedication they have to what you're trying to accomplish and do, um, something so simple as giving them a personalized email or a certain group a personalized email that offers them an opportunity that you may not blast out to the entire ecosystem that you've built for yourself can earn you those extra dollars and, and potentially get you investment to do something big. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think that understanding your fans really clearly leads you to the opportunity of them investing big dollars in you to make a record. You know, there's people in the world who love music and writing a $10,000 check is not a big deal to them. And if they really love what you're doing and you're able to create a relationship, they might write a $10,000 check so you can go in the studio and make a record or go and do a marketing campaign. Um, doctors, lawyers, people who have expendable capital and they want to know you, they want to see you do well. So they will invest in you and you don't necessarily need a record deal. Um, but again, you have to use data to determine like that's who that person is. That guy that comes to my show, his name is something. And so using data to understand things like that can be really powerful, I think, if, especially if you're on your own and you don't have an infrastructure and you don't have a team around <coughs> you. It's just being creative with how you manage your what little bit of data that you can get. Another uh, project that I worked on when I was at Interscope was looking at what caused major spikes across various types of metrics. So, for example, I would open out a month of uh, Kendrick Lamar metrics. So that is YouTube views on maybe I just pick one video and then I pick the Spotify streams for that same song and I pick the iTunes downloads also for that same song. So we're comparing apples to apples. And then I look what are the moments where I saw spikes in any one of those uh, of those metrics. And then back end, simple Google search, what happened on that day or around that day that may have caused that spike in consumption of any of those three platforms. And what we would do is we'd start to see very obvious um, patterns in the kinds of things that caused spikes and how they differed across YouTube versus Spotify versus iTunes because of the nature of both the, the event and the actual platform itself. And I think an independent artist can actually uh, perform that activity. Like I mentioned earlier uh, in the talk today, using tools like Next Big Sound, and there are a couple other back-end uh, tools that teach you about what uh, analytics look like per artist, you can go on there and take even a year's worth of data, six months' worth of data, whatever you feel like looking at. You look at the date that these various spikes were happening. You look at the impact of the spike. Was it off the charts? Was it just a 10% spike? And you can try to understand what are the types of things in social media that move the needle and get people consuming and replicate those for yourself. Um, some basic examples could be any kind of release of a, of a similar artist. So if um, Dre puts out something, we actually would see spikes across um, other artists like Eminem uh, or 50 Cent. If... Um, if Yellow Wolf got arrested, we saw a lot of chatter. You know, you get yourself arrested. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if you, uh, if Lady Gaga tweeted about an artist, or even someone a little bit lesser known than Lady Gaga, even if um, uh, if another artist in our roster, like uh, Lana Del Rey, before she was getting big, tweeted about another artist, we'd see huge uh, spikes, not only in their Twitter follower data, but also in their YouTube consumption. Because you're maybe you're at work, you're taking a break, you're like, oh, what is this person about? I want to dig into all sorts of their social. I want to listen to a song, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's a different way that, as an artist, you can look at data, figure out what's moving the needle, and then try to recreate those types of activities for your own metrics. 
On the, also, on the monetization front, I mean, I think it's, it's clear that if there's going to be a middle class of artists, it's going to be the artists who are, who are taking charge of their data and their, um, their own metrics and, and really mining them and paying attention to them. And that's, that's, where, we're, that's where our bet is um, <clears throat> in the metrics thing. I mean, um, a lot of our metrics look great for big artists. But, um, you know, at Columbia, I spent a lot of time developing artists who were not necessarily radio artists. Um, and the, the ones who have survived and the ones who, who actually, some of them, you know, were no longer on the label after a couple of records because they didn't have radio hits um, and moved on and have very, very solid careers because we were managing their data very carefully and making sure that we were hitting all of the that that all of our ducks in lot were in line whenever we did anything, whether it was a ticket on sale, whether it was a new video, a new single, or anything. We were tagging everything, tracking everything, and making sure that we were collecting an addressable audience because that's the key thing. You can you can blast stuff out into the into the ether. And if you're not paying attention to where it's going and you don't have some metric on that that's really reliable and you're not building your addressable audience, then, then you're, really, you're just wasting a lot of energy. So, um, I'd like to talk about uh, Pandora Amp a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's uh, launched three weeks ago maybe? Yeah, October 22nd. So what's, what's next? Um, so what is so so Pandora app right now exists as basically a metrics dashboard that gives you again it tells you how much you're spinning on a weekly, monthly and and quarterly basis. Um, it also tells you where you're spinning um, you know geographically by by DMI. It tells you uh, some gender demographics and uh, I'm probably forgetting about half of it and Jason over here is going to kill me. Uh, who's Okay. Anyway, so it tells you it tells you a lot. It, it it gets into some some detail, but that's just the really the beginning of the conversation. And um, we had a lot of debates as to what we were going to launch with and when. And we got it to a point where we thought, well, let's start the conversation. Let's tell people how much they're spinning. Let's tell them where they're spinning. Let's um, let's tell them how many people are starting stations based on them. And the station starts a really really important stat for us because the station start is actually reflective of a person going into Pandora and saying, I want to hear the radio station based on this artist. And it stays with people and it enters their, it it actually feeds what they're listening to um, throughout the experience. Um, What we're working on is turning that into an addressable audience. Because when somebody has actually started a station, it means they know the name of the artist, they're interested in hearing more from that artist, and they're probably interested in hearing music from other artists like them. So what what we're working on and what we haven't rolled out yet but we expect to start rolling out in 2015 is ways that we can actually allow the artists who own the, the, the data and this is really really key thing and this is something that I think Matt also that we're very much in line with is as an artist you own your data and you should own your data and you should keep your data with you no matter where you go um, That's it's not as much of an issue as it was maybe 10 years ago when labels were fighting with artists over it but it's a really key thing you've got you, you make sure your data is portable if you're an artist and you're, you're developing and you're talking to a label you want to you want to be able to take that stuff with you because it really is kind of the the crown jewels but Anyway, what we're doing is we're, <clears throat> we're doing something that at Pandora hasn't been possible before. You know, now, that, now that people are going to know where their audience is, 
you know, we, the next step is for us to figure out ways that they can address them. And it's, it's a very dicey thing for us because we have a user experience that's very, very highly developed. And, and Pandora was, um, was developed around what listeners like, you know, primarily for, for years and years and years and has to be. That's why we have 80 million people a month and that's why we have 25 million people a day coming to us, you know, and, and still growing. But um, what, we're, what we're doing now is trying to introduce ways that, that the artists will actually be able to take advantage of all that stuff that's happening around them and turn it into monetization by planning tours, by, you know, planning how they release their music and when and, and um, you know, who they're going to target and how basically how they can target you know, specific things. And it's just the beginning. I mean, it's really it's that's why it's so exciting. And that's why, you know, um, I think October 22nd is going to be like a, a Pandora national holiday from now on, because Tim, Tim Westergren was working on it for about 10 years. Uh-huh. So just to understand um, correctly, and I think it's what I wanted to hear um, on the roadmap is the ability for artists to communicate with their fans directly on with their fan bases. Okay. Yes. Using using tools that we will make available. And I can't get any more specific about that, yeah. but we're, uh, that's where we're moving. And that's, that really is, that's what Tim, when he started the company was really trying to get at. And that's what we're finally getting at. So, okay. Um, I want to open this up for questions. Um, so if somebody has a microphone, I believe. Um, Hi, I'm Xavier, Social Sound System. First, I'd like to say thanks, Mike. Uh, I took your Berkeley online. I remember, yeah. Yeah, nice. I took my unemployment money and <laughs> signed up for that. <laughs> nice. I hope it was worthwhile. I put, I put it to good use. Um, secondly, Matt, I, um, I, I never really thought about that on the merch side of things. Um, I've been using at Venue for one of our clients for the past year, and we just have all that data, and it's nice being able to Great product. send that to the managers and merch teams and everything. Um, and then Lars and Jason, thanks for your guys' work on the AMP product. I signed in and found one of my artists had 1.15 million listeners in the past 30 days and 7 million plays. And uh, I'm glad you said that because I want to market to them. I want to do my tour marketing. I want to spend more money. So um, one thing that you guys haven't touched on in the analytics side of things is um, tour marketing, especially ticketing conversion tracking. Mm-hmm. I know that's a sphere that you know, it's locked behind Live Nation and the other ticketing companies' doors, but, you know, there are companies, I think like Jamplify, where you can pay to access that data and know which channels are converting ticket sales, but then there's, like, attribution windows and stuff like that. Um, how do you guys feel about that sphere, and w- when do you think we'll be able to get more access to that data and spend our money smarter? I, I think it's coming. I think... Um all across the board with, with data that has, like you said, been on lockdown and inside certain institutions and only certain other people get to see it. I think we're moving towards an era where some things will always be kept proprietary inside an institution and they should. And, um, but then there's other pieces of data that I think everybody's waking up to the fact, like if I share this with the rest of the team, it's going to make them better at what they do. And they probably have some data they could share with me that would make me better at what I do, whether I'm a promoter or an agent or a manager or, or a publicist or a radio promoter at a label. So I, people have woken up to that, and I think now, I know for a fact now, because we're doing some of it, where we're actually starting to pull data from one institution and another institution and then give some data back from the management artist side of things. Because our client is the artist, um, and so then we look at the artist team as everybody who's the artist partners. And so we, we are all about trying to create um, an API network where data from all the partners can be portable and move and shared in very permission-based and very secure ways with 
the other people inside the partnership network. So I think ticket counts are a big deal, right? So being able to visualize across an entire tour routing once the tour kicks off, what percent capacity am I at at all my venues? What were my daily ticket counts like for the last seven days? And I just spent a bunch of money on Facebook ads and maybe a radio spot in the local market. And did I see a bump in my ticket sales? That, that stuff is huge. If you're, if you're investing money in an artist or you're an artist who's spending your own money to try to, try to get more people to come to your shows. And so we're, we're certainly working on trying to free up whatever data we can and spread it around to the partnership, the, you know, everybody who works on behalf of the artist so that they can make smarter decisions in real time. Um, it's not there yet, but I do believe that it's coming. Um, and we're working with, with several different institutions right now to start doing some of that. We're actually testing it kind of really quietly and behind closed doors in a very secure sort of beta way. But my goal would be to roll that out and let, and, and figure out how do we scale that. And not even just for artists like that have managers like, like you and infrastructure, but for independent artists and the tools they're using. How do we how do we pull that information for them so they can get the same experience of having an infrastructure that that a more established artist that does have a team around them gets you know through technology that that would be that would be the dream I think so I think it's coming but we're not quite there yet. Questions? Um, just one in the back. Thank you, uh, Dimitri Vitz with Rock Paper Scissors Music and Tech PR Company. Um, and also StoryAmp, a platform for connecting journalists with music that does a lot with uh, tour PR. Um, which brings me to the question about a lot of this conversation sort of uh, centered around artist uh, perspective, but I'm curious about what kind of analytics um, are being used in any of your platforms or in your research or your education or whatever that are specifically related to bookers, people who are booking clubs, festivals, and so forth, um, I know like some of the existing pla uh, metrics and analytics platforms didn't have access to, an uh, to geographic data, so they couldn't be used as well for somebody who's booking a festival or a club to say, how much traction does this artist have in my market in order to justify it? It seems like it would be a great pitching tool for uh, artists if they could say, oh, I know I have this many, and it sounds like some of these analytics can help, but there's also the booker representative, you know, from that perspective, how do they get access to that data without even talking to the artists so they can vet things? Um, well, I, I mean, for, for us, I mean, it really does belong to the, it's up to the artists to be getting in touch with the bookers and, and publicizing themselves and making sure that that information is out there as much as possible, and that's that we do have a geographic overlay, which is which is great. I think will it will get even better, but that's exactly the kind of question we want to start hearing. And those those cases, I mean, we have a lot of them already collected, but I think there's an infinite number of of uses and use cases that we'll be able to layer on top of this. So I, I, the answer is it's, it's the right question to be asking. Um, right now, it's going to have to come from the artists because that's where we're starting. And when 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 we're talking about you know who gets who who owns it and and who gets it, it's a really deep philosophical thing that it really does belong to the artists, and it's for them to 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 surface it any way they can. So um, this business is built on relationships, and it's very much in the artists um, the artists. Um, interest to to share the the those metrics as you know with the right people at the right time yeah i i agree with that and i we're the same way so we, we would we try to make it very easy for an artist to pull data from our system that they could then use to show like well here's my history in this market um here's how many times i've been here venues i've played merch sales from the market any, any numbers they felt compelled to share with a promoter or or somebody who's booking a venue 
to help them acquire, you know, a, uh, some work in that market. Um, I'm not sure about tools that are being built, specific dashboards that are being built specifically for prom- people who are booking shows at smaller venues. Um, but, but we certainly try to encourage everyone we work with to say, look, this information can help you attract not only investment but opportunities for work. And so you should use all of these things to your advantage. And I, I believe that very deeply. You should use every piece of information you have about your work history and your your fan base and what you've done to try to acquire more more business or more partnerships, more opportunity for yourself. And that, that would fall under that category. I know there are a couple questions down here. Yeah. Microphone right here. Um, how can artists use analytics to derive actionable insights into their marketing and advertising campaigns? Um, what does Pandora offer that might be two-way in the future, um, seeing that I'm doing well and being able to complement that with more dollars spent perhaps as an artist on Pandora? Or how does your platform help them figure out how they can spend more money? Or you know, how does Interscope go about allocating their budget across several different um, you know, several different channels? Like, Are you going to go pay for like a CPM campaign on Pitchfork just because it's cool? Or are you going to go <laughs> find like the small blog where there's actually a ton of fans? And how do you do that if you are? I think you answered your own question. I mean, the, the, our job is to surface all of those, all of those stats and and all of those data points, and it really is going to be up to the manager, or the artist, to say, well, you know, what does this mean to me? Because there's there's an infinite number of 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 answers to that question. I mean, basically, every artist's career is like a is like an individual thumbprint, and you know, for, that's a that's a, a broad, infinite question to, to answer. Essentially, you just it, the, the good news is that it, it does all help, you know, what we're doing and, and what artist growth is doing as well is going to help everybody focus those things. And I think you made a very good point. You know, there are a lot of reflexive behaviors in the music industry, especially because there haven't been a lot of data points for, for everybody, including labels. I mean, and that's what, what Karen was, was basically pioneering this stuff, you know, very recently. You know, a lot of times when, you know, through, throughout my career, I was making a lot of very gut based, you know, advertising decisions based on what I knew and what was familiar, what was in front of me. And there wasn't, there was a lot of, there was a lot of causality that might have been coincidence. We didn't really know. Um, uh, You just sort of had to take your best shot at it. And there's a lot more, you know, opportunity for insight now. So, and I also think it's important to take into account that a lot of this information we're talking about um, that are in our systems or other systems, um, is is really sensitive information and so we have a covenant with the people who work with us the artists the owners of the accounts that they have with us that we will not share that information with anyone ever unless they ask us to you know unless a manager says to me hey my agent over there i would like for you to create some cool streamlined way for me to shoot them this information or can you go talk to my agent and try to get some cool information sent to me so i don't have to get it in a pdf or Excel um, every day, but it just happens automatically. Those kinds of things. But it's still, a lot of this information is super sensitive, and you don't want it to get out. So, it's, it, again, it falls back to it, it's on the artist and the people they empower to work on their behalf to decide what's shared with a radio promoter or a publicist or somebody that, that's on the team or, or has been outsourced as a third party to help them market their tours or do things like that. And some, there's a lot of reticence, in, I think, in people's minds and hearts about leaking out too much data because it's pretty sensitive about where their business is. You know, it's the same way, like, you know, big companies, the reports they put out are very measured. 
and and I think that still happens in this industry too. There's there's a lot of measuring happening about what they let out. Well, data. I mean, data is a currency now, and yeah. more and more. And uh, large companies didn't used to always understand that. Certain ones did, and the ones who did tended to be a little more paranoid about it. And but we're in we're in this very fluid situation where everybody has to make their de- make decisions as to what is shareable and you know what constitutes risk and what constitutes reward. That's right. And a quick answer to your question about um, budget allocation for blogs versus like a more mainstream website when we're advertising is we would use a tool called Comscore. And Comscore lets you aggregate a bunch of different sites that you think are relevant to the artist. And then I would always sort them on a monthly basis and report um, which which uh, sites are getting more traffic. And a lot of times we'd see very uh, independent blogs surpass some of the more traditional sites and then we'd go to them. And in my second year of being at Interscope, we they started, they, they created um, a blog partnership blog liaison department it was just three people and their job was explicitly to just develop relationships with blogs to find out um, who they're targeting to understand how we can match our artists to do original projects and original content with the the demographic that they're working with Um, and so it was really both about volume but then also about making sure it's the right uh, demographic yeah I mean Comscore was it was incredibly valuable when I was at Sony Music but it's also a bit of a blunt instrument you know and that's that that's that's what we're all trying to get beyond so. I think uh, I'm sorry. Sign. I think we're we're out of time. Um, thanks so much for coming. Thank you. If you have, Thank if you you have other questions, feel free yeah, to we'll come up and talk to us. We're here. Thank you, guys. <laughs>